This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, today we are doing a mailbag episode, but before we get into that, we should talk about what we are doing this weekend. Sometimes our social lives cross, not always because I have kids, you don't, so that changes a lot of shit. But this weekend, we're both going to a dinner party where I think we're expected to play an instrument. Is, is that correct? Is that your impression? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be a, a pretty fancy dinner party. I think there's like a, a 12 course meal is what I understand. Yeah, it's crazy. So I've got a couple questions for you, Doug. The first one is what are you wearing? Because I was kind of confused from the invitation if we're supposed to wear pajamas or dress up. You know what? I, I did not think that far ahead. I was thinking um, probably just like uh, some pants and a shirt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't think too far. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it's formal. I'll probably wear like a black V-neck t-shirt. It's pretty fancy for me. That is pretty. How deep is the V going to go? Are we going to see your pecs on the side? It's to the navel. It's actually a very deep V. That's that's epic, Doug. I, I can't I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it said, I think the invitation said wear comfortable pants and a fun sweater. So I, I could see myself wearing some like ridiculous pajamas or something and then everyone else is dressed up and then you just feel like a, a moron right oh I, I didn't even notice the um the information but yeah i think it sounds like elastic waistband uh for sure so i get i'm wearing um like gym pants right now like workout pants but i think these would work okay yeah yeah i wonder if that must be a reference to the amount of food that's going to be there like and plus we'll be at a table so you can't see what's on below like you don't even have to wear pants probably right no i don't think so but you have been asked to you know definitely wear pants because of other incidents right <laughs> yeah we, we won't go into that on this episode but the yeah. second question i have for you doug is so i got this i was talking to our host carla and she sent, this thing is happening on December 10th, so this will be in the past by the time you hear this. But anyway, on December 1st, she's like, oh, yeah, it'd be it'd be great if you played something. And, uh, yeah, I bought a keyboard a year and a half ago, and my original intention was to play something on the economy stage. And I quickly realized that was a bad idea. I had enough to do, so I bailed on that. And as much as I enjoy playing the keyboard, I got busy and haven't touched it in like 18 months. I haven't even opened the thing. And on, on December 1st, she's like, yeah, it'd be great for you to play something. I'm like, oh, shit. So now I'm trying to work something out. What day is it today? Like I've only got today's Tuesday. So I got like five more days it's to practice. Sixth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And how's it coming along? coming along good but not great so i'm still i'll say it's 50 50 whether or not i'll be able to perform i got more of a heads up than you and i could play i'm playing a silent night slide guitar so i you know had to find an arrangement that worked for you know what i wanted to play and i can i can nail it maybe half the time and then it's pretty good most of the time so we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, but it is amazing. I was watching. I watch a lot of like live um, performances on YouTube. It's YouTube's great for that stuff. 
but it's amazing that people can be playing like a guitar solo and they're playing and then they'll go say something to their tech or one of the other performers on stage. Like how do they, how can their brain do those two things? But it's just like having a level of mastery where like two autonomous things in your head, two activities can be going on and blows my mind. Like, I don't, I don't know how they do it. I'm sure there must be something that we do that's similar that we're that good at, but I can't think of anything. Maybe texting and driving. I've seen you do that before. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm not sure. You well, know what I'm saying though? Yeah, well, I think we can do a, a lot of things like that. Like if you try to train a robot to run, that would be very, very, very difficult. But yet we can run or walk and talk to another human and have a conversation without thinking about the walking. And same thing with driving. You can have a conversation where you're, you're still at full attention to your driving. You're not causing any risk to yourself or others, but you can actually have a conversation, which are pretty two sophisticated things to do. So what I think it comes down to is just doing it a whole shit ton of times. Like yeah. we've driven, walked for thousands of hours of our life. And if we sat there and did that for an instrument, I'm sure we could achieve that same thing where it becomes something you don't even have to think about. You could just do. Just kind of muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Very amazing. All right. Well, today's a mailbag episode, right? But before we get to the meat, a quick note on the buy me a coffee. So this is amazing. A lot of people have signed up and we appreciate the support. We won't make it a long ad today, but um, you know, it costs a little money with uh, producers and editors to, to run the show. So we're trying to stop the bleeding and not lose money uh, <laughs> even longer. And you can support us with buy me a coffee, which uh, is very simple. It's like Patreon. If you do sign up, you get extra content. We share some pictures and some other information um, out there. We actually thought about making our Instagram uh, stories um, part of it. So if you're interested in that, maybe let us know that it's something where we could do a little extra content. I'm not I'm not too big on Instagram. Are you? No, I might look at it twice a week. Okay. I used to uh, look a lot more, and I think we even talked about it when uh, Rachel was on, because she's on Instagram, Rachel Richard. She's on there often. She has a huge uh, following. And I think from that day on, I've probably only spent a few minutes each day. Some days not even opening it, and it's been uh, fine. I haven't missed it at all. It was just a huge uh, time waster. So we may not do the Instagram stuff. The point is you can support us by hopping over you can do a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly membership and it starts at five dollars per month yeah if you choose to do that thank you very much let us know how we can help you through these mailbag episodes or anything else if you have questions or comments uh send us an email what do we know what our email address is doug we do what is it is it milehighficlub at gmail.com technically that could work but we have much easier ones, and it's Carl at MileHighFi.com or Doug at MileHighFi.com. So without the club. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And we wised up, and we started putting the email addresses at the end of the show notes and the description on YouTube. So if people actually wanted to get in touch with us, they can scroll down and they would see that. Awesome. We finally figured out how to do email. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First question here is uh, from our friend Rakesh. And he says that he doesn't have many friends at work and close friends uh, basically live thousands of miles away. And you might remember uh, Rakesh actually asked 
this question, like how do we make friends after like retiring and all that kind of stuff. And we, we gave him some tips, but after Rakesh listened to the episode, he had some follow-ups and, and I, I love this to have like follow-up questions and we can go deeper and I know it helps people a little bit more. So for me, one thing that I realized is you have to spend like long periods of time, sometimes idle time where you're, you're just kind of putting in the hours, like practicing an instrument. It's kind of weird analogy to draw, but I found like going on hikes with like groups of people. So we've done this in our community here. We'll go out for, you know, five, six hours. We'll go on a hike. Maybe we ride together. So there's even more time there. We'll go out to eat afterwards. So we end up spending like, you know, eight hours together, which kind of simulates like being at work, except you're not doing something that sucks. <laughs> you're hiking or something better. And I, it's kind of, it's kind of tough if you have a full-time job to carve out that time. But I know one thing that we said is like, you know, for me, I met people judging beer and brewing beer. And I ended up spending a lot of time with various people by doing that. And my wife, she, she plays tennis. So she would meet people playing tennis. She's been curling lately. So she meets people in those environments. So something casual, something kind of fun, but you kind of have to put the hours in. And I think while it's tough to do, and it's kind of risky, right? Cause you're potentially burning a whole day with someone you might not like, or with multiple people that you might not like, that's like the cost of entry. Like you have to risk the time or else you won't get that payoff, which could be like a deeper friendship. So I think it'll be tough. But if you could figure out how to do that, again, hiking is great because there's like hiking groups, but it could be anything. I mean, there could be cooking clubs or other dinner party clubs, stuff like that, where you really can put in the time. Do you have any filters for people? Is there something like, let's say you meet another human, is there something they would do within the first five minutes that would either tell you this person is worth pursuing or the or the exact opposite? I'm going to, this person might be fine, but... I don't think I'm going to try to spend time with them. I, I never thought of that specifically, but I think internally, yes, there is a filter. And it's probably if they can have a normal conversation. There, were, I'm thinking of someone that I met casually at um, uh, environment or whatever, or at a place basically. And they weren't making much eye contact. They were kind of looking away and they just didn't, they didn't seem like very engaged. They could have just been nervous. Maybe they're not very social, whatever. And I was like, ah, you know, I probably wouldn't, I, I probably would pick someone else to spend time with someone where like right off the bat, like we had a good conversation going. So that's probably a filter that said, if that other person was just nervous and then through multiple encounters, they were uh, more engaged. I mean, I'm not like, filtering someone and like they could never uh like win me over but like quickly if someone's engaging and fun to talk to like they win right like the, i mean i think most people would be like that what yeah. about you do you have a filter uh i just started thinking about it right now as we were talking and there's a couple like uh some people just are naturally super negative uh, uh everything in life is a problem and everything's out to get me and I'm not sure what's going on. I can think of a couple examples and yeah, it seems to me like with some of these people, everything is going on in their life. They're just, uh, 
yeah, they feel the world's out, out to get them. And, and those people aren't really fun to spend time with. And I don't think it's a good mindset. Sometimes I'll make an attempt like, hey, is everything okay with you? Is there anything I can do? And uh, yeah, so that's one of them. Another one is people who jump to very controversial topics right off the bat. Like this doesn't happen often. And I think this kind of goes with a negative one, but some people will jump into politics and take a side and and it's not one side or the other. It's both. Like, I, I don't like that. Uh, people who jump to that and and they're looking for you to agree with them so then they can. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly why they're looking for camaraderie or whatever, but yeah, I don't like that. I think uh, most people, no matter where they are on the political spectrum, probably have something positive to offer and you should try to to be the opposite of divisive. And I think that's what these people are trying to do to, to be divisive. But yeah, I, I like yeah. to try to find positive people and people who will like challenge me too. like actually listen and ask an interesting questions and tell me if I'm full of shit, which is frequent. <laughs> the, um, that is a great point, the negativity. And then the other is related to kind of what you just said is uh, listening. So I also don't want to be around someone that, completely takes over, especially a group. And it's just one person will take over and then no one else can talk. We're on a podcast, Carl. So you and I talk a lot here, but I think in a normal environment, we're pretty quiet. And I actually observed this a couple of times when we were hanging out in sort of bigger groups. Like we will stand around, we'll talk if we need to, but we'll usually just listen. And well, I mean, I like you and I like, like myself, but the thing is, um, there are people that just like fucking railroad everyone and no one else gets to talk. And funny enough, sometimes those people will, they'll say, ah, I'm really introverted and I'm shy. And I think it's a defense mechanism yep. in some way where they just keep talking, but uh, I fucking hate it and I don't want to hang out with those people. So that's a big filter yeah. uh, basically. And I'll just remove myself and go somewhere else. Yeah. I don't like that either. <laughs> One final thing I would say to recruit, to rec Kesha is most people won't take the initiative to do something to maybe uh, start a friendship. And what I mean by that is most people just want to follow or go along with whatever the leader suggests. So if you see something interesting, maybe say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner on Friday or something like that? Or, hey, do you like board games? We're going to have a board game night if you'd like to show up. Because most people won't do that. And if you take a little bit of initiative, I think you could make a great friend that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yep. Great. All right. We have one from uh, Deep in the Archive. So I think we got this this one from uh, January 2022 from, uh, let's see, who is this from? Robert at Stop Ironing Shirts. So Carl, do you want to you want to read this one? I think it fell to the bottom of our inbox and then I was going through there cleaning things up. Yeah. Uh, covered it. Yeah. Let's do it. Can you answer a question about financial independence? What have you found value in spending money on after you've far exceeded your FI goal? I retired early, almost three years ago, but still have some income opportunities. And with these market gains, we're now way over our old FI number. Hopefully that's still true, Doug. <laughs> anyway, eventually inflation will pressure us. <laughs> wow, that was, uh, this guy saw the future. Eventually inflation will pressure us, but we're not spending more yet. My goal isn't to be the richest person in the graveyard. I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts. So again, Robert from Stop Ironing Shirts. What do you think, Doug? So yeah, like you said, inflation in the market shifted a little bit. So it, things aren't as rosy as um, January 2022. But 
I would say, you know, find, find your, uh, equivalent to like my guitars. So guitars can be really expensive. And I think food is another area that you can expand and spend a lot more money if you're into it. Um, the other would be like travel and that each of these could be not infinitely expensive, but it could be extremely expensive and you could find a way to spend some money again, you know, not frivolously in a wasteful way, but like what you find value and enjoyment from, like I, I would focus on those. And I think you may have to, you know, shift a little bit, shift your mindset. If, if someone's very frugal and you focused on accumulating for a lot of years, it can be hard to shift gears and, the yeah i have a couple other thoughts along those lines but i think you could probably find something that you you really get something out of and then like go deep into that yeah this is an interesting question doug and i actually think about it all the time because i'm always looking for ways to increase my happiness so if there is something i'm so thankful to be in a place where if there is something that i thought would increase my happiness i would go out and buy it but there just aren't many things and the things that there are are smaller things like you talk about guitars but your guitars are much cheaper than a new luxury car or even a cheap car. Your guitars are, even your nicest guitar is still way cheaper than even most used cars. So it's not that big of a deal. So for me, I think it's, uh, I've got a couple different categories, but things that make my life easier and more efficient. I want a really good high quality phone, which is next to me. This is a Pixel 7 XL, but the thing was like 500 bucks. I could take really good pictures and it, it's reliable for listening to podcasts and uh, it's my personal assistant. Having a really good computer, I just bought a new MacBook Pro, which was like 2400 bucks, which is a lot of money, but I'll, my last one lasted me almost 10 years. I expect this one to last me 10 years too, especially since I won't uh, dump a protein shake on it like I did my last one. That, that doesn't go good with a, with a MacBook Pro. And you said something, travel, and I like the travel part too, but I'm going to take a little bit different twist on it. The thing I really like and the thing that gives me luxury is I don't spend hours uh, planning to try to save money. I'm still conscious of it and still try to optimize. But I remember we went to New York City like uh, five years ago and we had spent like 300 bucks on a hotel room, which was by far more than we had ever spent on a room. It gave me anxiety. And I looked for a long time to get that deal. Most were probably more than that, like four, 400 or 500. And now because of money, I have the luxury of time. I could just, if I'll look, but I'll look for like five minutes. And when I see it's a good deal, I'll just pull the trigger and commit to not thinking about that anymore. And that applies to a lot of things in life. I'm fortunate that we don't have to compare prices for an ounce of ground beef at the grocery store and things like that. So I really like the luxury that money gives you of not having to overthink your spending. And we're still frugal for most things. Both are, we have two cars with 200,000 miles on them each. And they're fine. They work well. Uh, we, we shop for insurance, but yeah, it's mainly the little things. I'm trying to see if I have anything else there, but yeah, I think, I think that's about it. He, one other quick thing is he said he doesn't want to be the richest person in the graveyard. And I think that's good, but you don't want to die with zero either. Cause that's cutting it a little bit too close to the, uh, you, you don't want to be worried later in life about running out of money. Right. And I think, yeah, that's something I think about too, because I think we're we're really overshooting where we need to be. And I mean, I don't have an issue with it, but my wife is more conservative than I am. So yeah, I think we're going to end up with like way more than we need. And then I'll be a little disappointed 
<laughs> overall. So it's, it's hard. Yeah. I, I don't know how you uh, sort of temper that because unfortunately or unfortunately, we don't know exactly when we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. If we knew that, would you want to know the answer to that? If you could, like, if you could know the date you would die, would you want to know that? I think I might've asked you this before. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, on this particular day when you're asking me, I think I'll say yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I would be able to plan things a little bit better and then it would probably rob a little uh, uncertainty, the joy you get from some of that uncertainty. I don't know. How about you? Would you want to know? Yeah, I, I don't think so. That would creep me out. I, that date would always, I'd probably think about it every single day and focus on it, especially if it was soon. Like I definitely would not want to know that. But shouldn't we be doing that anyway? Right? Isn't there a whole, whole isn't that very stoic to just like think, you're like, Think about death every day and then know like the, it could be your last breath or whatever. Yeah. I, oh, I definitely think you should do that. Someone sent me an email actually from the blog and said, yeah, it took the death of a coworker to, to get my ass in gear. And I think there's nothing that can make you appreciate life more than pondering death, right? Like, especially when you know someone, we knew someone, we had a mutual friend who died tragically in his thirties and you see something like that and you're like, holy shit, like that guy would have given anything to have another day or two. So yeah, it's good to ponder stuff like that, but I still don't want to know you the don't day. Want to know the day. Yeah. 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 That'd be, I feel like there's probably a couple, couple books, fiction books about it, or I feel like that's a Stephen King kind of book, right? Yeah. Sounds there must like be it. one. Okay. Up next. So this question is from Ashwani from India. And he actually sent over an email, a lot of detail. And it was kind of, it was a little hard to follow, but he gave me all these details in his native currency. There were other, you know, slight differences from the US to India, as far as retirement accounts, the returns, the other assumptions that we often make um, for early retirement in the US. Overall, they're saving about 50% of their income. He's 46. He's married and has an 18-year-old and an 11-year-old. They have four uh, apartments, flats, condos. I'm not 100% sure the vocabulary there. I'm not sure if they're income producing. I assume maybe they are, but I'm not sure if they just live there and it happens to be four flats. And the plan is they'll sell those four flats within the next five years or so. And basically, he just doesn't know what to do. I, I think his job may be winding down. There's not quite as much work for him to do. And he's just like not sure how to approach retirement, early retirement specifically, because the big thing is 50% of their net worth is tied up in the real estate. So they have a good amount of savings, but a lot of it's in real estate and they don't know what the market's going to be like. So we can kind of what I want to do is kind of remove the details of, you know, him being in India, but you know, Carl, how would you advise someone if they had like half of their net worth in real estate, they're planning on selling and there's some balls in the air, right? So the 11 year old might go to college in a few years also. So how, how can someone go about planning this with uncertain information and just some, a handful of assumptions? Yeah. This reminds me of a blog post from Mr. Money Mustache called the shockingly simple math behind early retirement. And he talks about specifically what your saving rate is and 
how that correlates to when you can retire. So he goes into the specifics. If you save 20%, if you save 80%, here's exactly how many years it's going to take you to retire. So the situation is a little bit difficult to assess now, but if this person is going to sell the real estate, then they probably have a ballpark idea of how much money they're going to have from that. And uh, Pete's article is based on the 4% rule. So I'm pretty sure even if you're in India, you would have access to some kind of index fund. And then he could just go from there. As, as far as college and the unknowns, I like to go to the worst case scenario, like think of the maximum amount of money he could possibly spend and then set that as your baseline. So yeah, it's uh, simple and complex all at the same time. What do you, additional thoughts, Doug? I think that's it. I mean, as you, as you go through a, you know, a project or a projection or whatever, as time goes on, you get more information and then you can tighten up your range. So, you know, like you said, you can go with the worst case scenario. It's a spreadsheet. So, you know, copy the tab and add some ranges in there so you can see best case and worst case. And if you're really smart, what is that? A Monte Carlo simulation, right? You can kind of see the ranges and, and put it all together. The, you know, the details of 4% rule, I think uh, Ishwani did mention their stock market is uh, usually the, the gains are a little bit more. So I think it's like a 5% rule that he was applying, but I think those kind of assumptions can be valid as far as, you know, setting your ranges. So you kind of know where you're aiming. And like you said, as you, as you sell some of the property, you'll know how close you are to your assumptions and then it, it tightens up. So as you get to, you know, age 50, you'll know way more than you do right now. And you'll potentially have those properties sold. And then you know exactly what you need to be aiming towards. And Ashwani mentioned uh, potentially working part-time for a little while. Maybe his wife keeps working, but you know, like we talk about, you can kind of coast your coast fi your way into it since maybe you're making, uh, you know, 20% of what you used to make, but it's enough to offset, um, your savings and maybe you can control your spending a little bit. So yeah, keep doing what you're doing, I think. Yeah, we beat this drum all the time, but another thing is just to be flexible. If you want to send your kids to school, that's great. But as a backup plan, in the extreme case that everything really went to hell and you had no money and they're going to college, they could get loans and pay for college themselves. That's what I had to do. It's not going to kill them and it might not be the best case scenario, but it's also the worst case scenario for your finances if you've already accounted for that in your in your money. Yep. Yeah. Be flexible. So excellent. Anything else on your mind, Carl? <sighs> yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Awesome. And I think we have um, you know, other questions in the mailbag, but if you want to be included and get a shout out, just let us know. You can send us an email. Doug at milehighfi.com, Carl at milehighfi.com, and uh, we'll, we'll put it in. So the more details you could provide, uh, the better, especially for these kind of, um, you know, it's not financial advice, it's just entertainment, but for this entertainment style uh, advice, <laughs> then the more details, the better. We should come up with a new word for that. Like, I don't know, what's some combination of investor and advice? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it does not work. And we might get sued. Someone would, uh, some attorney would find a way to, they weren't yeah. giving advice. It was just half advice. Yeah, it's not real advice. All right, cool. We'll see you later, Carl. See you, Doug. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you could do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.